There are 574 tribal nations represented across the United States. They each have their own cultural richness, way of living, and customs. They also have health disparities and trouble with the acquisition of resources. Tribal Health, the podcast, wants to shed light on them and bring solutions available to improve access for tribal and indigenous communities. And now your hosts, Melody Lewis, Mario Trujillo, and Morgan Haynes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tribal Health, the podcast. It's me, Melody. We're missing Mario and Morgan today, our co-hosts. We have a great guest with us today. And I'll turn it over to you to do an introduction. Cool for it. Hey, good morning, Melody. My name's Chris Talbert. I'm going to start off with my name, introducing myself. My name's Chris Talbert, and I'm a full-blood Southern Cheyenne, and I live here in Oklahoma, and I work with Southern Plains Tribal Health Board and been looking forward to this. It's nice to see your smiling face today. I am so excited you're here. Oh, that's so, I'm really excited to have this conversation to talk about your work and the things that you have been doing here these past years and to share that with the world. You want to give me a quick background of like where you're from and your community and the community you're in now? What do they say? Give me your 411. <laughs> <laughs> My particulars, like I said, I'm a Southern Cheyenne. I am from Western Oklahoma, rural Western Oklahoma, from a Cheyenne community called Deer Creek. And just raised traditional. Both my parents are gone now. Been married for the last 15 years to my wife, and we live here in Norman, Oklahoma. And she is a professor at the University of Oklahoma, and I'm a program manager at Southern Plains Tribal Health Board. And I'm also still a student. I know I'm 52 and I'm still going to school. I'm um, um, just a lover of knowledge and uh, working on my second master's degree in sociocultural anthropology. It's interesting. Wow, that is interesting. I'm actually curious about that. But <laughs> I tell me about the work that you do at the Southern Plains Tribal Health. Sure. I'm blessed to be with a really stellar group of people. We're a tribal serving organization, 501, 501, the health board. Originally, we were Oklahoma City area intertribal health board. I think we started back in the mid-1970s and we've morphed into now Southern Plains Tribal Health Board. And we serve tribes in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, 43 tribes, three urban centers, Dallas Urban, Oklahoma City Indian Clinic, and Tulsa Indian Healthcare Resource Center, and work with just a diverse group. I'm the program manager for a CDC-funded grant called Good Health and Wellness in Indian Country, and we're on our second project period. We're coming into the the last couple of years of our project period and just good stuff. We work with chronic disease prevention, diabetes prevention, obesity prevention, tobacco cessation, and heart and stroke prevention. I've been doing that. Gosh, I've been in tribal public health for a little over 20 years and Mm -hmm. took on another role in the last few months. I'm a project coordinator for a internship program. There at our organization, we're a big believer in education. I've managed, like I said, to 
to take on a couple of master's degrees while I've been with the organization and they've supported me wholly. And we, CDC came out with a funding opportunity called the John Lewis Internship and Fellowship for undergraduates and graduates as well as doctoral, but we were awarded the undergraduate internship program. So we've kicked that off to recruit 50 interns. We're doing an eight-week internship program that is virtual, and we're targeting Native students, but we're going to accept everybody that you meet the criteria, meet the qualifications, but we are looking for 50 Native students. It's a paid internship. It's virtual. Have a laptop, be in college, be in good standing, and get us a good personal statement. Our website for that is, golly, what is HTTPS semicolon, or what is it? HTTPS semicolon, semicolon, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, the first part. Uh huh. But it's thesis, T H E S I S dot S P T H B dot org. Yeah, we could actually put that in the notes for the podcast. So if anyone's interested in that, they could just click on that link. Just a few questions just from what you were sharing, like 20 years, huh, in public health. What have you seen like in a snapshot from the time you started until now? Have you seen any trends? Has there been any change? Is there new things that are evolving now that you're seeing? I think it happens on both sides. I think from a federal agency down, CDC and IHS have been pretty responsive to listening to tribal leaders and tribal advisory groups. They're being, think about the, uh, what used to be called contract health, but now it's called the referred care. And tribes are being more proactive and learning how to maneuver that system to provide better options and healthcare for their tribal members. But from a tribe's perspective, I'm seeing tribes step up more to the plate and take on more responsibility, more ownership. A lot of the tribes, especially the more progressive ones in Oklahoma, are 638 and doing self-governance with their tribal clinics and going after public health accreditation. They are just rocking the public health scene and just seeing younger, not younger, but seeing more Native students having an interest, taking an active interest in public health, seeing the impact that it can have, whether it's environmental, your everyday health, cultural aspects, using our cultural teachings to promote wellness in our community. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I think, so I was sharing with you earlier how we use this podcast, right? It's for like awareness and it's for like capacity building for folks that have never worked with tribes in the healthcare space, public health space, or behavioral health space. And one thing that you've just mentioned that I can't, like I have to share and and emphasize the point of that tribes are very diverse and very different. And you mentioned like 638 contract. I am not in the public. I'm diverse, like diversity, equity, inclusion is the term. But so I've learned that was new for me to figure out that every tribe determines like how they want to manage and steward their healthcare systems, right? 638 or like on their own or... IHS or what are those things, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, that was news to me that every tribe is different and how they do that. I think it's important that we highlight that every tribe is different and their infrastructure. Yes. Yeah. And then that diversity part for me was the other thing where you're talking about like your service area is so large, that many tribes and that many urban Indian centers. What type of initiatives do you offer or programs that you offer that support like 
some of those, like the CDC, like you were talking public, like the tobacco, chronic disease and stuff like that. What are some cool things that you're doing now that you want to share about? Oh, my goodness. I mentioned the internship that kind of goes hand in hand with just getting students, getting tribal folks, grassroots community people to be interested in public health. And we have our children, we've got our elders to think about, and when we can pull in cultural aspects of our realm and apply those to get better health outcomes, I think that's really a win-win situation because we're educate non-native people about who we are. We're trying to break those stereotypes of when we go after federal funding, we paint this really dire picture of our communities, unemployment, alcoholism, drug abuse, education, lack of and poor infrastructure. But when you really think about it, we have a lot of good things going on. We can build upon the past experiences and successes of, of programs that we've administered before. When we went to find partners to fund when we received the good health and wellness funding. There was not a shortage of tribes who were already doing good things out there. And what we wanted to do was bring those, elevate those stories, get that momentum going, get the ball rolling and make it happen. So a lot of the tribes were looking at sustainability aspects of what they're doing. We're working with some tribes to do billing, third-party billing, looking at healthcare and some of the opportunities for tribes to tap into that economic growth, sustainability, putting funds back into your community. So there's a lot of opportunity and it's a good time to be in public health. Yeah, you made some great points, right? Like the, which I have this conversation often is that tribes are sovereign nations, right? They're their own governing body. They're their own economic development. They're their own, all of it, right? Depending on what hat they they wear when whatever decision we're faced with to serve and best serve our communities. And you are exactly right that there's a lot of tribes that are doing some very innovative and bridging younger generations to knowledge and figuring out how that plays a role in where we are today in modern day society. And that's very exciting to hear about the uplifting and sharing of those quote unquote best practices, but things that we've always been doing, right? My other thought too was just around, so workforce development and education is my jam. It's those things that I love to to take a dive in and learn more about. And so I'm very excited about this internship that you are hosting or that you're going to be rolling out and 50 interns. Wow. And virtual. At virtual. We've got a really great what we call onboarding for the students. There's about a week or two of foundational knowledge that we'll feed to them. We're targeting associate degree up to bachelor's degree students, different backgrounds, but about cultural competency about what is and what isn't an Indian. It's the federal government, the BIA decides who isn't an Indian, but it's tribes that decide who is and who isn't a member. And a lot of the programs and services are to meet that qualification. You must be a member of such and such federally recognized tribe. So we have a lot of younger people, a lot of people coming into work for our organizations that really don't have that understanding yet, teaching them and understanding some of the tribes here are battling with enrollment issues, recruitment issues. They're, I think that when the government designed that blood quantum thing, it was designed to breed us out. The tribes are starting to use that system that they put in place of the oppressors structure and turning that. And there's one tribe that's talking right now about going ahead and declaring all enrolled members on their tribe four-fourths, making them full blood and starting over again. They are the ones that who isn't a member. 
So it's that self-determination, what you were talking about. But I think tribes getting more educated, getting more savvy, and we're using those tools that were put in place to keep us down. We're finding ways to use that to take some steps forward. Yeah, and I think, again, the going back to like your internship of just pulling in the younger generation to bridge that knowledge gap is just a beautiful thing. Because I, like even for myself, learning about the difference between like where I came from my reservation and not really fully understanding the historical impact of our communities and why we're dealing with some of the challenges or issues on our communities today. Didn't know how we got there, just know that it, I'm here today and this is what I'm seeing. But the second part of when I'm leaving my community, I come to the city, I'm like, wow, this is very different from home. What is that? Like, why is it so different? And it's definitely our perspective as Indigenous communities of just being like the value systems are very different here in this city. And so it was also very culture shock and scary for me. And so I think I didn't learn any of that until my 30s. So it just makes me so excited to hear that these conversations are happening at like a critical time of a student's life is those second year, four year students where they're just adulting and transitioning from living at home into a new setting. And so that internship is quite exciting to hear about the things that you guys will be doing with that. Yeah. <laughs> And then my last thing is really trying to tone, talk about some of the work that you're doing is in the space of coming up with some collaborative solutions with tribal communities. And I think that's so awesome of how you guys are approaching it. So I guess my thought or my question for you is, do you have any advice or feedback for non-Indigenous folks that are coming in to provide maybe programs and services like you? to tribal communities. Do you have any feedback or thoughts or advice? Or Back in December, I had always had, prior to that, through COVID and just observing, we have to re-engage the community. Our landscapes have changed. Our elders, many of them have passed. We've got new life that's come into the communities. And some of us are finding that our roles have shifted. The tribes, the services and stuff with COVID money, ARPA funds, there's a lot of things out there that have come about that maybe we're not aware of, but I think it's important for tribes right now to do maybe a community health assessment, take a really good look at what they're doing and how they want to move forward in the next five years and what that may look like. Help me out here to get off my train of thought. No, I, so there's, that's a good point. So um, that's like advice for like tribal communities, right? Like, I think that's a good I mean, we also talked about this slightly at the beginning, but the advancement of technology, right, and the use of it is evolving so quickly and so fast, right, and so much more in the healthcare space, too. So I think it is a good idea that tribes do start thinking about where are we today and what are we foreseeing the next five years that because it's just going to evolve very quickly in the healthcare space. And then my next, I guess, second point, too, is like for the non-Native folks that are coming into tribal communities, do you have any thoughts or feedback or advice for them that may, that they may be doing similar programs like you? Yeah. Think carefully about your approach. Find your gatekeepers for the community and don't go in telling them what to do. Ask them what they need. Be a partner. Build ownership in the community. Give ownership to the community. Let them help guide the direction of the programming or service and build capacity within the communities. We're constantly looking at ways that we can build capacity and infrastructure with tribes, whether it be with staffing or data collection or data sharing, anything with technical assistance. We try to help be part of the solution. We may not be the solution, but 
were part of it. I get asked quite a bit about how to go about approaching tribes or communities and getting things in, getting introducing ideas or initiatives. I've helped facilitate some tribal listening sessions in the past. And it's always good to be respectful and just take your time. Don't rush. Don't look at things as being a checkbox. We're, we've got a lot of depth and there's a lot to us as individuals and we're just not boxes that you check. And just get to know your community. Get to know who they are. Don't be afraid to come to social dances or events or volunteer to help out, but get involved. That's probably my best advice to a non-Native person. Yeah. All that. Last month, I did a probably about a 50-minute discussion about tribal community engagement for public health professionals and uh, got some good feedback. But yeah. I really enjoyed that. It's something that I learned through my sociocultural anthropology program. And we get tribal communities who get visited from anthropologists looking to do research in our communities and thinking about the impact that they made, thinking about the knowledge that they take too, what happens to that. So there's things to be learned. Yeah. And I think the other, again, I love all of that. So the topic that you had just mentioned about engaging tribal communities, I know you had mentioned that you have a conference coming up. And I also recommend for non-Indigenous folks to come to these types of conferences to get some of this information. So do you want to share a little bit about that coming up? Absolutely. Gosh, when I started with my organization a little over 10 years ago, I remember this being just a really small conference. We had maybe 30, 40 people. We've grown, we've expanded. We're probably up to maybe four or 500 people now, and we're doing it over the course of three days. It's Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, their annual Tribal Public Health Conference, and the dates of it are August 11th through the 13th of 2023, and it's going to be held at the Choctaw Nation Hotel and Casino in Durant, Oklahoma. We've got a rough draft agenda on our website right now. It's That's www.sphb.org, and that's got all the details. There's links that will take you to our our conference site. I believe that site right now is www.tphc.org. Mm -hmm. Just off the top of my head, I can be mistaken, but yeah, yeah. too. And then note, yeah, but we've we get a lot of we get a lot of proposals whenever a lot of abstract submissions whenever we put the call for abstracts out, and unfortunately, we have to table some of them. But there's just so many good ideas and good propositions out there that I wish we could do all of them. Yeah. But we also do a fall training summit through our organization that is virtual, and it's more about capacity tra training. I offer a, a grant writing and grant management training, usually uh, three, six, nine, 12 hours. It's over the course of three days. But yeah, to build capacity, build infrastructure, I think tribes, we need to understand how to go after that funding. There's a lot of resources, a lot of opportunities out there for us to take advantage of. We just need to learn how to do it. And they call that positive deviancy. There's individuals in our communities that, that isn't just a few of them manage to rise above. It's not that they're imbued with any great skills or anything extra. They learned how to leverage the resources at their disposal and use that to, to get somewhere. Yeah. And I think we're all capable of that. It's all within our grasp. We want to kind of do that. I agree. Yeah, that's very exciting. So we'll go ahead and put that information in the notes about this conference. But I also recommend that for anyone that's wanting to learn more about tribal communities is to attend tribal conferences like yours. That my 
I'm just going to now end with my favorite question of all time for our podcast. Everyone knows that. I think I say on every podcast, (laughs) but power, like everything that you've said today, right? Everything that you've shared really comes down to building community and building relations, right? Being very relational with your communities. And the other part, this very last question is also connecting and building and building connection through humor. And so this last question is, what's your favorite res slang and use it in a sentence? Use the innocent to gosh, there's a lot of them there. Whenever you do something stupid or just something happens, you just say, bah. And in my language, in, in Cheyenne, does something foolish, you hiss it will wanna, hiss it will wanna, and it, or you can say hiss it, and it's a shortened slang condensed version, but it's just look at this person, look at what they're doing. But there's others. I reached out to our staff and some of them came up with some more okay because we're in Oklahoma. Yeah. Y'all and G did you eat? Maybe <laughs> that's spelled J-T-G. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Those oh are the gosh. ones that I can come up with off the top of my I love them. It makes me automatically brings a smile to my face when we talk about wrestling. When you said buff. We have on Mojave, right? So on our Mojave side, it's C-A-W or C-A-H, depending on what side of the river you're on. But <laughs> but we said like when that somebody does something like accidentally or like, call. It's, it's like, but I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've had other folks on here on the podcast say that they're similar ones from Navajo. is like, wah. Yeah. And I'm like, call. And she says, wah. <laughs> say, but. <laughs> So they're all like words, but we also have some that are derived from our language too. And I think it's like for the one that you were using in a sentence for Mojave's, it's like how we say, I don't know, like I'm trying to use it in a sentence right now and I can't come up with one, but I think I might've used that one in the past. Like again, or, or ma thou, like ma thou, like again, like what are you doing? <laughs> but it all derives from our language. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm a big lover of our native languages, and I wish we could hear it more often. Yeah, yeah. but it's good whenever we do. Yeah, it brings a smile to the face. So again, thank you for your time. We really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. I'm so glad you came today to share your experience and your knowledge and sharing. Hopefully folks, you know, will reach out to you and learn more about the efforts that you guys have. Again, thank you for joining us. And thank you everyone for tuning in for another episode of Tribal House of Podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Tribal Health, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's guest. For the show notes, resources, and more, please visit podcast.tribalhealth.com. If you want to learn more about how tribal health can be a solution to health disparities, please visit us at www.tribalhealth.com.